Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show is coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to our good news segment. Back with us again. April Schneider, Head of Consumer and Small Business Products at Bank of America. Why? Because one of the most sought-after tidbits, tips, insight, information is how to understand and create key financial skills. Yes, all of us, you know, but especially parents, parents, so that we can teach our young adult children Perhaps some of the things we knew, perhaps not. But in the current world we're living in today, and with the level of uncertainty, whether it be in the educational environment, the job landscape, whatever this is, we are in uncharted territory right now. And it's going to require of us insight, skills, intuition, whatever you want to call it to navigate the waters. So where do you begin? What do you do? How do you even have a conversation like this? I'm not answering those questions. That's why I have April here. April, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Dr. Pat. You know, this is a very interesting conversation because it's very near and dear to my heart. You know, I come from a family where I watched my father pretty much lose everything. And, you, you know, that particular event in a life, you look for answers, you don't understand it. But we're living in a different world now, April, and there are so many tools, there's so many things available to us, but there's also better money habits we can do. What for you, if I said, April, what are your top three things that we want to make sure that we share with people today? What's number three? Number three, I would say, is make sure you find an account that meets your needs, which is very important. I mean, our, we're beyond the point, especially when we're thinking about young people, is you're beyond the point of socking money away and you're in a jar. So it's getting to the point where you have to have a really strong bank account and use your mobile device so that you could check in in your account regularly. Mm. I mean, this is really new waters to navigate, but there are also more tools. Um, let me ask you um, about your number two. And one of the things that I want to ask you about, and this is really the conundrum, I think, for young people, but parents alike, the idea of credit. You know, in the world we live in today, it is the overwhelming way to purchase what is your sense of how to navigate those waters? 
I think credit is okay. And I say the word okay because it's individualized, it's personalized, and it really depends on the person. So building a strong credit history really takes time. It takes many years, in fact. So, And it's important to be able to get future loans based on how you're paying your current loan, which we're you know talking about credit cards right now. And a credit card could be a great first step as long as it's used thoughtfully and responsibly. And the credit card you choose also matters. So if I had to give, you know, someone guidance on their first credit card and, and how they'd use it, and we're, you know, thinking of someone who may be a college student, I would say use their credit card for things like plan purchases, which means they would have had to have thought about a budget and, you know, their income and their outflows. And they want to make sure that they could pay pay it back and to pay off their balance on time and in full because you don't want to pay fees or interest charges. And then I would generally not charge something that I have no intention of paying back. So, you know, spur the moment things. That's generally not what you want to have a credit card for. So credit is a good thing. It's a, it's a foundational for your financial journey. So it's something that you should contemplate. It's something that you should think seriously about, but with some guidance and use thoughtfully and responsibly. It's a really important step in your financial life. You know, this is an interesting conversation because, you know, I was just thinking about a situation with a friend of mine and I just had a flashback as you were speaking. And what I realized is that my friend, and I think this is probably true for a lot of people, they're introducing good money habits to their kids early on. For example, you know, one of my friends had set up an account for his child with checks. And he was telling me how, how absolutely vigilant, you know, this young person is sitting down and writing a check. Now, I don't know if that's like a real a check. I'm not sure that that's that the child is of age for that or whatever that means. But the point is, there is a way to go about this to educate people on how to track and plan. What is your take on that? I, I think we, you know, need to talk to our children as young as uh, young as they're willing to listen. And this generation has absolutely demonstrated that they're both good listeners, and they want to be talking about, um, you know, starting their financial journey. And there's there's a couple of ways to do that. It's both the physical, which means finding their account, and they could have an account with their parents at any age, and their parents could be the guide and the mentor when it comes to building a strong financial journey, and then. They, at 16, they could have their own, which I would say, financial de- um, independence. They could have their own account, which they could write their you know, own checks. So they could have a, you know, we'd say it's like a form of a checklist checking account where they could do everything online, but they still have to be equally responsible. But it all really comes down to the responsibility around banking for our young generation is how much money is coming in how much money is going out, which is all about budgeting. And I think that's really what we have to do is talking to them early on about and then setting aside money for savings and what we would call an emergency fund, which may be our language to use, but we have to give it back to them and however they conceptualize it at their age. So set money aside for what? Whatever you need in your seven-year-old life, your 15-year-old life, and your 20-year-old life. You know, this is a really good point. I want to ask you about this because, you know, one of the things I've seen over time now, especially, you know, we had this show during 789 to 789 and 10. And one of the things that the parents would come on the air and talk about is how stressful they were. Um, and how do we tackle financial stress? Because it is here 
And given we're in COVID or COVID-19, there are things that are overwhelming, but not talking about it or not having information or even not understanding, I find, is what really puts people over the edge. What can you say about tackling financial stress? I would say it's, you know, part of it is understanding what the biggest need is in your life when it comes to finances and then prioritize around it. So you have to determine what could be reasonably reasonably achieved and what timeline. So it could be first if it's for a student, um, should I pay for some of the school to reduce the size of my student loans? Do I really need a, a vehicle or a car when I go to school? Because that's a big source of payments or do I, do I, maybe my parents are paying for it. Maybe I could help them by not having a vehicle. So there's ways that you, you need to prioritize and say, do I need a Hulu and a Netflix? So it all comes down to what am I spending? Mm-hmm. Do I know what I'm spending first? Laying it out. And if you, if you're not even sure how to do that, I would say sit down with someone that you trust. And if you're a young person, it could be a parent. If you're the adult, it could be a friend or, or someone you could get guidance from. It could be someone at your bank. So I say sitting down, really understanding where the stressors are and then ranking them by how you could tackle them because getting control will really help manage that financial anxiety and then making sure that you manage through it monitor it, hit your goals, and then sometimes checking in with someone, just like you're doing on an exercise program. It's the same way here when you're trying to deal through financial anxieties. Check in with someone if you're comfortable doing that. You know, one of the things that I'm finding with young people is they like to do things in groups. And I want to talk about this last point, uh, and that has to do with saving. Um, I, I think there are many ways to go about it, but I think one of the things to look at is how we do this? Do we make saving a priority? Do we make it automatic? Do we make it like when we can? Do we put it in the jar on the counter? What is it that you will share with us to, in terms of tools to help make this like breathing for people? No, that's a, that's a great point. So I would say, you know, the, I would not recommend the jar these days. So I would say, <laughs> let, <laughs> especially as young adults are going into college, I would yeah. say, let's transition them into a strong, you know, savings account. We, we have those. It's called the Bank of America Advantage Savings Account. We offer them with no monthly maintenance fee, which by the, for students, which by the way, is another form of savings. So with that, they could, we could do automatic savings, automatic transfer. So with everything that's going on with school, with trying to get a part-time job, is there a social life right now? Does it look the same with the pandemic? Let's take one thing out of it. Let's make savings automatic to keep it simple. Set them up automatically. Is it every Monday? Is it a couple bucks? Is it five bucks every Monday? Whatever you could afford, because we're, we're saying we've already set a budget up and we know we could, we could set something aside. It could be every Monday. It could be on the 30th of every month free that up, free your mind up and and set it up. The other thing is we have uh, a keep the change program, which is a roundup program. When you use your debit card, say you're going to buy a coffee because it's something that you feel like you have to do to feel some sense of normalcy these days. Mm. It costs $2 and 69 cents. When you use your debit card, it rounds up to $3. That 31 cents comes out of your checking into your savings. The 31 cents is something you probably would have spent overtime anyway. Now, it goes into your savings account and you save $120 a year doing this, the keep the change program through Roundup. So these are just small ways 
to save that won't really make it feel like you're giving up a lot, but allows you to establish savings. And it makes it automatic and it makes it so that you are doing it. And then if you can make other adjustments, go out to eat one time less a week or a month and save a portion of it, not even all of it. You still get to have your entertainment. Your life doesn't change a lot, but you're still meeting your goals and feeling progress toward them. Yeah. April, thank you for talking about that. And I know your time is short here. Um, but, you know, there is the today, as you said, more creative ways to save. And I think one of the things that you pointed to is sometimes we think if I don't save $100 a week, I'm just not going to do it because it's not enough. But that's not it. You know, making the attempt and having things go automatic, whatever the amount is, that's going to build up. And I think that's the new message when it comes to savings for a lot of people. Um, It's, it's just do it. Don't worry about if it's enough or not enough, or, you know, maybe you don't have a hundred dollars, but let's make it automatic. And then you don't have to think about it. You you got it. I would say, you know, my mantra is kind of like, start wherever you are in life, start with whatever you're doing and start now and small steps are still progress. If it's the $5 a week that you could save, that's great. Building savings takes time. Be realistic about where you are with your budget and make changes over time. It's, it's you know, as they say, it's a marathon. We want to be able to make sure it's, it's sustainable and that you feel good about it and that you aren't giving up too much. When people tend to give up too much, they stop. We want to make sure that people start and never stop saving. That is a whole goal. Well, that's a great way to end this segment. Please give out the website. How do people find out more about everything we've talked about today? Sure. There's two ways. One is uh, bankofamerica.com forward slash student dash banking for everything. It's our one-stop shop for students. And the second way is bettermoneyhabits.com. It's our free financial education platform that has all about building credit and the basics of banking and saving. And it's available in both English and Spanish. April, thank you so much. Thank you for doing these marathon interviews for sure. (laughs) Thank you and be well. Thanks for having me. Okay, you bet. Thanks, Dr. Pat. Let's take a short break, everybody. Now, look, I'm telling you what we shared today is not just for students. If you're thinking you're weighing over your head, please, automatic savings, you'll never, ever regret that. Let's take a short break, everybody. We'll be right back. Take us with you on that morning commute. Download your favorite podcast from the Transformation Radio Network. Just visit transformationradio.fm. TheAngelLady.net. 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 1-800-323-1790. Sue Storm. TheAngelLady.net. Are you ready to shift your current beliefs about death from debilitating pain and loss? 
Follow Angie Corbett Kuiper as she shares that through choice, present moment awareness, and keeping an open mind. Anything is possible, even in death. Tune in to Beyond Proof Radio with Angie, redefining death and loss every first Wednesday at 12 p.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. For more, visit BeyondProof.com. Listen while you work. Streaming live on any device. Tune in to the Transformation Radio Network. Visit TransformationRadio.fm. What we've been taught and told is not all there is. Life is all about energy, and the energy you feel is real. Tune into the energy paradigm each month on TransformationTalkRadio.com with Dr. Vic. The Energy Paradigm is an eye-opening, mind-shifting, transformative and earth-shattering way to live, work and do business that will enable you to unlock your magic every day. Visit TheEnergyParadigm.com Inspire Create Empower Only on TransformationTalkRadio.com Stuck in a roundabout of dysfunction? Learn how to speak your truth to power with host Dr. Kathy O'Bear. Create real change with smart tools and smart strategies. No frills, no fluff, just life-changing conversations to help get you where you want to be. Extend your reach and become an agent for real change with Kathy O'Bear. For more information on Kathy and her work, please visit drkathyobear.com. That's drkathyobear.com. TransformationTalkRadio.com Welcome, everybody. Welcome. It's so great to have all of you tune us in and turn us on. Look, this is our good news segment. One of the things I want to talk to you about today, and Don Leslie Stewart, founder, director of Perry School and Think Tank, is joining me here today. What is the conversation now? Back to school? not back to school, preschool, what are your options? But what is it that remote learning does or doesn't do? Today, Think Tank is changing early education. Um, hey, look, Dawn, thank you so much for joining me here today. Um, I remember, I'm not even gonna say when it is, but I taught one of the first online schools after I graduated from my program. And I remember what that was like back then. We have made so many advancements from that time to now. But for you, what is it that you've discovered along the way? And how is uh, whatever we want to call this sheltering in place, epidemic, pandemic, what are the effects from your perspective? That's an interesting question, Dr. Pat. I think it really is changing the future of education and also just the way we live. It has really opened our minds and our situations to suddenly communicating remotely a lot more than we've ever, ever imagined would happen. Uh, with that in mind, I really think there is a silver lining here because during the lockdown, we pivoted very quickly within days and got our in-person program, which was a very hands-on progressive educational experience to a screen. 
And honestly, I did not know whether or not this thing would actually work. However, we got down to it real quick and created strategies and researching all of the Zooms that we did and quickly came up with a technique and strategy in terms of how we were going to teach young children online. And it truly was successful. Uh, Some of the things that we did do, uh, we did Zoom training for the teachers, which, as you know, many teachers and educators really failed during the lockdown. Many parents and children were, were, were left, left by the wayside and really not learning and being very disappointed at the experience. And many educators didn't want to get online, period. You, you saw what happened in California. There yeah. were teachers there that didn't want to get online because they're scared of what they look like. Yeah. So trust so me. Mind, yeah, trust yeah. me. Let me tell you how I know this. 16 years, a number one show in Seattle, stayed behind the microphone, out of the, what do we want to call it? Out of the frame now. That's the new language. I'm out of the frame. And then all of a sudden, I get the big fat idea. Let's start a radio, visual radio program, and, and let's, just, let's just do that. But right. I didn't think it was going to be for me. I thought it was going to be for the host. And everything you're talking about, plus the anxiety of am I hitting mm-hmm. the right button? Am I sure. not? This is a mm-hmm. whole different game. And so you jumped out in front. You must have had the vision, though, before this. You had to have had a vision. You know, it's interesting because with the Think Tank program, we were doing it in person but had a plan and were planning to do this online. So we were able to pivot very quickly and have some strategies that, unfortunately, a lot of the other schools did not have. That is true. Listen, I want to ask you about you. Can I take a minute to, to sure. ask you about you? Look, yeah. I watched something on television last night, and I cried. I watched a young boy stutter in a television uh, message that he gave, uh, stuttering. And I, I, and I, honestly, I, look, I'm doing it now. I stuttered as a teenager. And so... There are things about learning that I learned differently. But what mm-hmm. you're talking about is about not just learning in a different way or how we learn. You're talking about, one, the pressure I must learn. Two, the pressure I must learn how to learn. And three, I must learn how to learn how to perform. <laughs> Does that right. make sense? Ab- absolutely. And you're talking about that online component. It's, it's switching that up for sure. And also for the educators. I I think it's a two-way street here. So what got you so passionate about this? I actually started the school in 2001. And I built the Think Tank program, which is an academic learning program in person that I truly believed in because I truly believe in the early childhood years. That's where all the brain development is happening. And that really is what sets the stage for their ongoing educational experience. So I wanted to create a very high-quality program for children that would give them the tools that would last a lifetime. I want to ask you this. You are on the forefront. You are out there. Um, Parents talk about, this is what I want to do. There is a cost to this. You know, two questions. What do you see as your critical success factors? Meaning when you look at how do we do this successfully? How do we make this work? What are your top three things that you said, look, we must do this? What were they, Don? Okay, first and foremost, we need to do it together. As you know, 
Dr. Pat, the homeschool connection is very important for any child's success in person, but it's also incredibly important online. But the cool thing is that you do not have to put, as a parent, that much time into it if you get into a very high-quality online program. As you know, they're not all the best. You have to look around and find a really good one. And then you must, must stay connected to the teachers in a way that you might not have done in the past to make sure that your child does not fall through the cracks. That is extremely important. And I think that community, more than anything in the past, create a tribe, create a strong community of children and families, parents, grandparents, caregivers, we all have to do it together. I think the silver lining in this is that parents are going to really even more recognize how much all of these things are so important for us all to be successful, not only in education, but as families and a community. I think you're right. I was talking to a couple of parents a couple of weeks ago, I think it was, and they were, can I use this term? Because this is something we're not talking about. They were embarrassed in front of their child for what they did not know how to do. And, you know, we're talking about the kids, right? Sure. But there's this other element of parents that want their kids to succeed, their children to succeed. And they feel for the first time, this is what these, this is what these, these were women. This is what these women were saying. They said, I take care of the whole household. And right. I couldn't log on. And I was like, look, we'll help you log on. But is that a dimension that we're probably not talking about very much? Well, I think there needs to be a couple of things here. One, I think there needs to be Zoom training for the teachers. And there needs to be, we did it with, with, with our programming. And, and honestly, I highly recommend it for anyone that going forward here. We did parent coaching. We did caregiver coaching, a babysitter, a friend, a family member. And we went one-on-one with the parents. And also another element of this, Dr. Pat, is them feeling embarrassed because they're seeing their child not performing as well as other kids that they wouldn't see in the classroom. So that's another interesting component that came up. So the parent coaching, the one-on-one, and we had many sessions. And we not only showed them what to do at home, how to set up at home to have a a high learning environment, a quiet zone. Uh, We had uh, Zoom etiquette, how to come to class, dress properly not eating, not bouncing on the sofa, no toys, not in a tutu, no fire hat, et cetera, et cetera. And even the setup, how the screen should be set. What should you put it? How far should it be away? What should be on the table? I mean, we got down to the minutia of this and getting down to the minutia really helped the success of the entire family. Well, because of your experience, as well as your passion in this, you really were on the forefront and are on the forefront of this. Um, look, Dawn, tell us how, the, how all, everybody listening can find out more about what we're talking about today. Absolutely. You can find us at www.perryschool.com. I want to ask you one last question. Sure. Well, actually, it's two. I, want, I would love to know your personal message, but I would also love to know your vision. You know, this is a door that is open where you can't go back through it. It's like a revolving door that you wish you didn't get in the revolving circle and you just have to keep moving forward. So I would like to ask you that, your personal message, and where do you see this going? That's a great question, Dr. Pat. 
I would give the advice to parents to embrace the online learning. That is where it's going. If you struggled with it during the lockdown, give it another whirl, stick with it. It's a do it together situation from here on in. It's bringing that homeschool connection into the forefront. It's giving parents a chance to really stay connected with their children, spend more time with their children perhaps, and really completely embrace that online experience so that your child can succeed. And in addition to that, it's affordable, Dr. Dr. Mm -hmm. Pat. It is affordable compared to private school, Perry School, for example. All the private schools that children go to are tens of thousands of dollars. Children can attend a private school quality online educational program at a fraction of the price. And see, that's really the game changer for a lot of families. Thank you, Don. Thank you so much for everything you you're it. doing. And, you know, I hope we get to reconnect with you again to really talk about how technology has had to step up their game to meet the needs of education in this country. Thank you so much I for everything that. you're doing. I love it. Thank, Thank you, everybody. You. Man, Dawn, this is crazy, everybody. This is innovative. This is what we're talking about. This is what we call game-changing for our future folks. We'll be right back. I have had such a good time on Tales from the Merworld Radio. It has been an opportunity for me to expand myself so dramatically and become much braver in my voice to speak about the things that I'm passionate about that are a little bit out there. Your staff is amazing. Olivia is amazing. Jessica, everybody. Anytime I need anything, they show up right away. So thank you for having such an amazing team that is allowing me this platform to do what Spirit wants me to do. You're listening to Transformation Talk Radio. Do you feel that you must stand alone in this life? Listen deeply, beloved soul. You are not alone. Laura Hosford offers you authentic channeled messages of love, inspiration, and heart-healing grace to guide you forward in transcending your consciousness and becoming the change you wish to see in the world. Want to get involved? Join the Get Your Goddess Groove on Facebook group and get some goddess energy in your life. Women supporting women, emotional and spiritual growth. What's not to love? Just search for Get Your Goddess Groove on on Facebook and join Laura's growing community of women who are finding that divine love has lived within them all along. Share your stories, your challenges, offer your insights celebrate spiritual growth join the get your goddess groove on facebook group today your inspiration all day on transformationjockradio.com message delivery by lisa ann you can't make this stuff up Tune in every first and third Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Message Delivery is an inspirational show about the journey to enlightenment and spirituality. For more information or your own personal message delivery, visit AngelMessages2U.com. That's Angel Messages, the number two, the letter U.com. 
Imagine a world where good news, positive information and stories were the mainstream. Tell us your positive story. Hashtag positivity rules. You are listening to the Transformation Radio Network. Knowledge Book Radio with Marge Potasek has a special gift for everyone out there. To receive three chapters of the Knowledge Book as a special gift, send your email to mmjp99 at gmail.com. That's Amazon Mary, Amazon Mary, JP99 at gmail.com now to receive this fabulous, fabulous gift of the Knowledge Book. Hey, everybody, welcome. Welcome to our good news segment. Yep, it is here. Kentucky Derby to run in September with new safety precautions for fans. But you know, this is something I have been talking about for a long time. What about the safety of the horses? Kathy Guillermo, SVP of PETA's horse racing department. Yes, our friends from PETA, you heard me talk with them a lot. Because you know why? They were out in front looking out for animal friends, probably before many of us were even born. But they were out there, they were doing it. They were uncovering things that all of us, once we heard about them, thought, this cannot be real. Today is a special message from Kathy. Kathy, it's great to have you. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. Look, here we go, Kentucky Derby. Um, And let's talk about what it is that people don't really know about horse racing. And the Kentucky Derby is one race, but horse racing goes on every day. Um, But the spotlight now, since last year, has literally shined a brighter light on some of the just horrific things that happens to our animal friends. Can you give us an update? Sure. And I think the deaths in California is what brought attention to horse racing in the United States. The 37 deaths at Santa Anita Park, which for whatever reason, the public decided was too many. What a lot of people don't know is that this goes on at racetracks around the country. This year alone at Belmont Park in New York, there were 29 deaths. So we're talking three horses or more are dying every day on racetracks in the U.S., But, you know, what the funny thing is about this is dying and do they need to be dying? See, this is the thing. You know, I I wonder if we are just not doing enough. And that's why you're here to give us an update, right? That's right. So much more can be done. When I first got involved in this in 2008, when a horse called Eight Bells, broke both front legs in the Kentucky Derby Mm -hmm. and was euthanized there on the track. I looked at the situation. I have a background in horses and I thought, well, there are some things that could easily be done that could fix things. And yet it's so hard to get racing to change. First of all, they need to get the medications out of racing. There should be no drugs in the two weeks before horses race because if they need medication for an injury, they shouldn't be racing. And we know that more than 90% of broken bones, which is what leads to the death, occur at the site of a pre-existing injury. So horses need time to recuperate, not to have their their injuries covered up with uh, 
anti-inflammatory sedatives, muscle relaxants, and that kind of thing. So that's the first most important step. Yeah. And you think we would have learned from the sports industry, right, on how this translates. But, you know, there is um, there's something that I learned growing up. And that is, you know, there are things that we get to know about, and then there are things we get to do something about. And we're at a do something about moment. I think, aren't we beyond the point of just knowing about it, but to really do something about it? Because if we don't say something and you all don't do something, then will this stop? Yes, that's right. And the public attention that's been focused on it has forced substantial change, at least in the state of California, for the first time in decades. The kinds of things that we were advocating 10 years ago, some of them are happening now. And it does take that public attention. Every time a horse dies on a racetrack, that needs to be made public. The track has an obligation to release that information. And then the public has the right to demand that the media cover that information. And then they need to go to their legislators and say, this is not acceptable. And even beyond the deaths, there's so much that could be done to make things easier for horses. I think most people don't realize that horses, nearly every thoroughbred race horse has ulcers, that they are so stressed from what they do and from the unnatural situations in which they live that they suffer from ulcers. And most of them are on medication for that. There are other things that could be done from putting in synthetic tracks, which are easier on horses' legs, to making sure that instead of building that extra parking lot, maybe a grassy turnout area is constructed so that these horses have a few hours a day on something that approaches normal for them. You know, one of the things I was made aware of, you know, I have a a family, grew up in New York, and it's funny you mentioned Belmont, but grew up sort of around things like this, around racing. But one of the things that I I didn't understand is that there could be trainers out there that have had multiple infractions. And I'm not sure that there's much that is going on uh, to take action about those trainers that do that. Can you can you tell us what is going on and what should be done, perhaps? Well, not enough is going on. They're taking some steps toward dealing with this in New York and in California, but in most places, it's it's a slap on the wrist. Uh, Somebody gives a horse uh, an illegal amount of even a legal medication, and they'll get they'll get a small fine. After a few of those, they may get a, a suspension. But almost nobody gets kicked out of horse racing. And then to make it worse, there are. 37 or 38 different horse racing jurisdictions in North America. They all have different laws. The laws are all enforced differently uh, by different bodies that oversee them in those states. Not all states will honor the regulations or the rulings of other states. So somebody may break a rule in California and then move on to Louisiana and start again. And nobody seems to pay attention to that. These these people who chronically violate these medication rules, who don't care about the horses, who are just drugging them to get them out on the track, those people need to go. They should not be tolerated in horse racing at all. Yeah. And it doesn't really stop there. Um, You know, we did um, we're advocates uh, a number of years ago for the Mustangs, the wild Mustangs to keep those Mustangs wild. Um, and did a lot of research and found out some horrific things. But one of the things that most people do not know about this, Kathy, is, wow, now your career is over as a horse. 
and, or at least it's thought to be that your career is over. And not every horse is treated like secretariat. And I, I just think that this is an illusion that people think, oh, the horse is done. Let's just go put them on, uh, let's put them on a farm. That's not what's happening, is it? No, it's not. And it, the craziness of this is that, you know, horses physically mature at the age of about five years. And yet by the time they're five or six, nearly every thoroughbred race horse is arthritic, burnt out, and cast off. Now, there, there is now a retirement organization that for the first time is industry supported, which they put together at our insistence. But there are still a lot of horses who are falling through these cracks, and we don't know what happens to them. There's no tracking no. system in place, and that's crazy, too. There needs to be a tracking system for every horse through all changes of ownership through the end of that horse's life. Kathy, I know this is a busy schedule for you. Would you take a moment and let folks know how they can find out exactly what you all are doing, but more importantly, how they can take some action to support this? Right. Probably the easiest way to do this is to go to our website, PETA.org, P-E-T-A.org, or simply to Google PETA and horse racing. And what will come up are some pages with our horse racing investigations. We've done eight undercover video investigations revealing various terrible aspects of the horse racing industry. And there are action alerts that people can participate in, most importantly, sending an email to their representative in Congress asking them to support federal legislation, which would, uh, which would get a handle on some of the medication issues. But more important than that, people do need to stay away from racetracks. They need to not bet on horse racing because the industry does not need our support while horses are dying this way. And to let their own state legislators know if they're in a state where horse racing takes place, that they will not tolerate a death on the racetrack and they will not tolerate the suffering of racehorses and that legislation needs to be introduced and passed to protect horses. Yeah. And, you know, I agree with you. You have to start at the top. Sometimes you have to start at the Churchill Downs sometimes to really at least crack through the very thick wall of denial around this. Uh, we saw it in the dog racing industry. We saw what happens there. And for some reason, Kathy, I think people thought that horses were immune. They're not. Thank you so much for today. Again, it's PETA, P-E-T-A dot org, right, Kathy? PETA dot org? That's right. PETA.org. That's right. All right. Uh, Kathy, please keep doing what you're doing. You know, keep a very loud voice to save these amazing majestic animals thank you for everything thank you i appreciate it all right everybody let's take a short break we'll be right back is your mind running the show with thoughts bouncing around your cranium like a jet propelled ping pong ball you can't focus or relax. Quieting your mind is key to having a sense of inner peace and to being able to access your inner wisdom. So how can you quiet that racing mind? Just breathe. Sit with eyes closed and breathe in slowly, filling your lungs to capacity. Then gently and fully exhale. Repeat 10 or more times. I assure you at the end of this exercise, your mind will have slowed and your body relaxed. You'll be better able to access your inner wisdom 
guiding your personal evolution to becoming your highest and best self. I'm Carrie Kadombi, and I'd love for you to join me on Transformation Talk Radio for my show, A Spirited Exchange. For more information about me, visit my website, thedivineguidancegift.com. Tired of not losing the weight? You need a healthy solution for weight loss that protects your muscle mass as the fat burns away naturally. Holistique Medical Center has the healthy option for your weight loss concerns. Lose one to three pounds per day in 21 days naturally under our physician supervision. Call Holistique Medical Center 425-451-0404 or on the web drdarvish.com d-r-d-a-r-v-i-s-h.com The truth is funny. Shift Happens with Colette Marie Steffen is excited to welcome Karen Benton as a monthly guest host. Tune in on the third Wednesday of each month at 8 a.m. Pacific time to regain confidence and trust in your capacity to create change in your life, your health, your family, and your well-being. Karen Benton is a mother, nurse practitioner, certified body talk practitioner, Franklin Method instructor, and owner of Limitless Living, LLC. For more information about Karen, visit karenbenton.com. Get empowered. Tune in to Lucid Planet Radio with Dr. Kelly Neff. This hit show will illuminate your senses and empower you beyond your daily stressors and hardships. Renowned psychologist and author Dr. Kelly will captivate you with far-reaching topics and amazing guests as you wake to the greatest version of yourself. Learn to tap into your intuitions, think critically about our world, heal emotional and psychological wounds, and follow your passions to live your dreams. The Lucid Planet. Welcome home. Visit lucidplanetradio.com for more information. Listen while you work. Streaming live on any device. Tune in to the Transformation Radio Network. Visit transformationradio.fm. Hey, everybody, welcome. Welcome. You know, we've been talking a lot about this upcoming season. And when we started to talk about it, it was, wow, like months ago. But now, here it is. Believe it or not, we're moving into the fall of our lives, as we, as we like to say, the seasons where things change. But what happens when COVID-19 meets the flu season? Uh, very special guest today, Dr. Benjamin Singer pulmonary and critical care specialist at Northwestern Memorial Hospital. And there are so many questions, so much to talk about in this short interview. Um, but it's important. Dr. Singer, thank you for joining me here today. Look, this is on a lot of people's minds. You know, it seems like the summer is not even over yet. And here we are. And it is such an important conversation to have. What, what is it about this upcoming season that puts you basically thinking, wow, we've got to get a super message out here? Yeah, it's a really important topic. So it's important to remember that influenza causes an epidemic every year. Influenza spreads widely, causes hundreds of thousands of hospitalizations, estimates of tens of thousands of deaths, and that happens on a yearly basis. So if we think about 
even a moderate or average influenza season on top of an uncontrolled COVID-19 pandemic, that's something that has us quite concerned. And, you know, and this is the thing that even if people don't understand the nuances of what we're about to talk about, this is really something on people's minds. Um, how, how is this going to be different for people? And the reason I'm asking is, you know, usually you go into a flu season and you do the necessary precautions. Um, you might go get a flu shot. You might take better care of yourself, you know, but this is really, really different. You know, now we're talking about flu season and COVID-19. How does that raise the bar? Yeah, that's right. So if you think about the totality, right, or all of the viral illness that people are going to be at risk for this year, it's, it's quite different and probably unique to anything that anyone uh, has ever experienced. Now, there are a few upsides here. One is that because these viruses are both spread in a very similar way through these uh, droplets that come out of our, our nose and mouth when we cough or sneeze or laugh or, or even talk to each other, things that we have been talking about doing to prevent spread of COVID may also and probably will be effective in preventing the spread of flu. So things like physical distancing, wearing a mask, washing your hands, staying at home when you're sick, that is great advice for influenza, and we've been hearing it over and over again in the conversation about COVID. And, and this is really something that is, we have information, first of all, on what flu season looks like. But let's talk about the dynamic factors that may come into play this year that didn't before. I mean, what are you thinking is on the top of your list, your top three things people should know? I think the first thing is that far and away, the most important thing people can do to boost their immune systems going into this next season is to get the flu shot, right? So the flu shot, unfortunately, isn't used by many people. And the more people that can get the flu shot, the better off we're going to be because the flu shot, of course, prevents the flu. But even if people are unlucky enough to still get the flu after having the shot, it tends to be much more mild. It tends to be something that they could write out at home in a few days versus uh, in another case where they might need to be hospitalized or unfortunately maybe even end up in the intensive care unit. So getting that flu shot uh, as soon as it's available, as soon as you can get it is really a, a critical thing as we think about preparing for this coming winter. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think that we are now a little bit more aware and, and in some cases a lot more aware of the the reality of taking better care of ourselves um yeah. but this is like an ins a very important message because we've learned some things we've learned you know the population of people that COVID 19 pandemic has uh without doubt um hit and hit hard african americans latinx na uh, native americans i mean you name it these are populations mm -hmm. that are already vulnerable. You know, what do we say to help, you know, our friends in those communities take this next step for flu season? Right. And it, it's an incredibly complex topic. 
so much of the health disparity, which is rooted in longstanding systemic racism, has really been magnified in the things we're talking about, of course, as a country, but in the face of the pandemic, because as you mentioned, uh, communities of color have been so disproportionately affected by the, the pandemic. And so I think as we go into flu season, making sure that flu vaccines are distributed and available in a fair and accessible and equitable way, that COVID treatments are available. And then finally, when a COVID vaccine is available, that it is distributed and available in an equitable and fair way so that everyone has a chance to keep themselves as safe as possible. Mm. Um- are you are you seeing the trends that people are more aware of this now? You know, what are you all at Northwestern sensing? So uh, we had a fairly early surge over the uh, late spring that has been slowly coming down. Uh, and while cases in Illinois are slowly uh, trickling up, we've been uh, uh, lucky to be fairly uh, consistent at a, at a low level here in Chicago. Uh, and so the virus is still around, uh, to be sure, but it is uh, really quite a bit down from uh, where we were earlier uh, in, in Chicago specifically. You know, many people ask, will the same protection that I am using for COVID-19, will that apply for the flu season? There are some people thinking that wearing masks is going to be a way of life for them because the uncertainty, you know, even if somebody has got a cold, people are concerned about that. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we have a new level of awareness now. Um, Does that help us with flu season? Yes, I think it absolutely does. Uh, because masks and physical distancing and all of these things that have been uh, talked about during the pandemic uh, will be effective uh, in quite a substantial way, I think, in preventing the spread of flu. Uh, And so, like you said, uh, a way of life with masks, paying attention to uh, physical distancing guidelines, uh, these are things that we've been hearing about for the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, but will be really helpful going into flu season. I agree. Uh, you, you know, thank you for taking the time today and chatting with us. Um, I know you've got a series of these, these interviews. Um, I want to ask you uh, one more question, but also I'd love for people to know how they find out more. Uh, sure. So um, the Pulmonary and Critical Care Professional Society is called the American Thoracic Society. And they have a wonderful website for patients and families covering COVID-19 and influenza and all types of other topics. Uh, so the website is thoracic.org, that's T-H-O-R-A-C-I-C.org. Uh, and you can access the patient and family information and it's a, a wonderful resource. And let me ask you this last question. What last tips do you wanna leave people with today? I think I really want to highlight a few of the things that we've been talking about, specifically continuing to be aware of the physical distancing guidelines and practicing them routinely and rigorously, wearing a mask, washing hands, and far and away, the most important thing is getting that flu shot when it's available. Thank you so very much. Personal message, what do you want to leave everybody with? 
I, I really um, want to wish everyone the best in staying safe uh, individually and for their families and their communities. Uh, we're really all in this together, and there are a lot of people on your side uh, if you're if you're feeling frightened or, or vulnerable about all of this. Awesome. Thank you so very much. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. <laughs> 